Hello and welcome to Comic Book Fix, the new comic book show from your friends on the Fix Podcast Network. I'm Sam and I'll be your host today. On today's show we'll be discussing WandaVision episode 1 and 2, Batman Catwoman issue 1, Future State Flash issue 1, and all new, all different Avengers issue 1. On this fine episode I'm joined by Pat. Hello. And Chris. Hi. So this week we're going to start with um, what we call the required reading, which is um, basically normally it would be a comic that all three of us have read that we're going to then discuss how we felt about it. However, because this week is also the first two episodes of WandaVision, we thought we would start with WandaVision as our required reading. I hope everyone can hear the air quotes that I did there. So, uh, yeah, so um, what I thought I'd go through first is, um, did you did you like it, and did you have a preference on episode one and two? Chris, what, what do you think? Did you um, like it? I, yeah, I, I think for, for, for me, um, it, it, was, it was really interesting. I enjoyed the fact that they were 20-minute episodes, because I went into this thinking that we were doing hour-long dramas, and... So for it to be half that time was really cool. Um, I think probably the second episode was stronger just because it had more stuff to to do in it because of like just of of where it's going and and sort of telling the story. But um, yeah, I I really enjoyed it. It's both very like familiar and comfortable but also really different um and just really interesting and i'm excited to see where it goes cool yeah um i feel kind of the same um pat what about you um did you like it and did you have a kind of a preference on the episodes yeah overall i liked where it is going i thought it was um very interesting the way that the like it feels so removed from the rest of the MCU and it's in such an interesting place because like when Star Wars introduced the Mandalorian Star Wars like the Rise of Skywalker had come out but Star Wars hadn't really stopped because there were books coming out and comic books and um like it's all all of that transmedia is like technically Star Wars canon whereas with the MCU it's felt like since Far From Home, we've kind of been not, you know, there haven't been any movies or anything. And because it's a separate canon from the comics, sort of, it is. Um, it's, it's, it was weird that this is the first thing that we're getting and since, like, Far From Home. Um, that is, like, an MCU thing, unless I'm forgetting something that came out. Um, and... Uh, so that was sort of jarring for me at first to be like, what is happening here? <laughs> and it wasn't, I wasn't connecting with the like sitcom style humor at first. Um, I thought it was really forced early on, but it's clear as the show goes on that that's the point. Um, and that there definitely is a greater, like there's something going on, which we know, you know, if you watch the trailers and stuff, it's not that I didn't expect that is just um i still wasn't sure whether to expect a what if style anthology that was not actually connected to the core mcu regardless of what they've said 
or whether to expect a kind of ongoing narrative. Um, and I ended up really liking it once it became clear that there was going to be that sort of continuing story and that there was really something weird going on and, and everything. Also, in retrospect, the fact that when I realized that the first episode is <laughs> the, the steamed hams bit from... <laughs> from simpsons wait is but it, is it really is that what this i guess it is yeah yeah it is totally it's that whole episode is that uh <laughs> just, so the second just, episode's main plot point is that vision, vision swallows some gum yeah yeah um so yeah i think i liked the second episode more overall but but in the end i, I did really enjoy both of them yeah, um, I actually, I feel like I'm the only person who's probably the reverse. I thought the first episode I liked more, um, and like, I rewatching it, because I, I watched it this morning and I watched it with my wife this evening, um, rewatching it um, was, it made me notice things more, like um, there's a lot of times when the laugh track goes when no one is laughing, Um like the and um in the i think the first episode when it's very very like i love lucy traditional american sitcom and Mm -hmm. then uh they even have all the same camera angles they have the same like uh design choices like the language is exactly like i love lucy or whatever and then um the section when the guy starts choking at the end they suddenly use modern camera angles it's like an instant switch over so the whole episode's framed like you can see every character very zoomed out, very exaggerated acting and dialogue and stuff. And then in that scene when the choking is happening, there's like very slow zooms, which is just something that didn't happen in yeah. TV in those days. I'm really hoping that that format and like the ways in which in the second episode, the way it shows his like animated body with the gum going through it and stuff. I hope that that's more than just stylistic for the show and that that ends up, we end up getting some kind of like, no, there's a reason that they're acting strange on top of uh, the whole scenario being strange. Mm. Um, Also, I think that one thing that these two episodes show far more than the films have ever shown is that Paul Bettany is just an extraordinary actor. I mean, he is just a... He is so good, and in the movies, he's got such a limited role outside of playing Jarvis when he's actually the Vision. You know, the the Vision is just not he's 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 there and gone so quickly, right? So you only get him in that mode. But to see him attempt to be funny as the Vision is really really good. I... When he starts singing Yakety Sax. <laughs> I actually like lost it laughing. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 line from the first episode from from Wanda about how like you can float through walls and I can make a pen uh, right in the air. Like, why do we need to abbreviate? It was just it was so yes. good. It was like yeah, just it, that's gonna stick with me for like years at this point because it, it's just it's so good. It's yeah. all. Uh, I like the meat tenderizer joke where he's like, he's like oh, I, I need a meat tenderizer. And he goes, oh, where is it? And he goes, and she goes, I'm looking at it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, a lot of that stuff was very funny. Deborah Jo Rupp was hysterically funny, too. She's always just an excellent actress, and I was really happy to see her 
in there. And really, the first episode, I, like I said, I wasn't enjoying it at first. Basically, as soon as it cut to them being at home and the boss and the boss's wife coming over, that's when I start, was like pretty much in at that point, and it started to click with me a little better. It was really just that first 10 minutes that I thought was was funny. Uh, one of my friends texted me and went, I love the joke that um, Vision goes, oh, um, excuse my wife, she's European in a British accent. <laughs> yes. And yep. she has it's an American accent. Very subtle, but funny. No, I was just going to say, like, that, uh, like, sit up, like, head turn, like, I get I get this now moment for me was in the second episode when they changed the intro sequence to, to make it obviously, like, a different era and... Like the, like the, uh, like the, the set design is like slightly different from the first episode. Mm-hmm. Like that makes you realize a why this probably took forever to come out because it was probably like more chaotic to shoot than like a normal television thing would be mm. because you're you're moving out sets and like all this different stuff. Um, but it but it was just really. Like, oh, this is different. Like, this is going to yeah. be something, like, completely different from what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see the direction that, like, knowing, having seen the first two episodes and having seen the trailers, uh, I'm really excited to see where it goes because it's clear from the trailers that it eventually, the things get very weird and very, like, there's action scenes and stuff. Um, Mm. So how they're going to manage that shift tonally is going to be really interesting, I think. Um, And uh, I, yeah. Did either of you recognize the logos used by the secret agent and the beekeeper? So the agent in the first episode and the beekeeper in the second. I was going to ask if I should know who the heck the beekeeper was because they, they set that up like I'm supposed to know, like that a, that a beekeeper is like a, a a thing, which now that I'm saying it out loud, I realize that I think something in AIM is called a yeah. beekeeper. Like, yeah, the I, the, the AIM grunts are called beekeepers, but it's not the AIM logo. Okay, I, I recognized what? it and was like, mm, I'm gonna look that up because I'm sure that that's it. What what was it? I was well, I noticed that there was a logo, but I was not paying close enough attention. It's the sword logo. Really? Yeah. That um, is interesting. Which is what yeah. for people who might so, not know, which includes me. Sword are like space shield, so they're yeah. they're shield, but they deal with threats from space. So the lanterns put shield. Kind of, yeah. Like except specifically for Earth. Yeah, uh, cool. and humanity. They're basically, shield is meant to be like uh, human on human violence. Like they're trying to stop like human disasters, and sword are like you know how the FBI is everything in the US and the CIA is everything outside the US. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Well, yes, MI5 basically. and MI6 have that. Like MI5, roughly. Yeah, MI5 are UK and MI6 are worldwide, and they can't operate in the UK. That's how Shield and Sword are. Like Sword can yeah. only operate in space. Oh, Shield. And... Okay, Shield and and Sword. It, okay, sorry. Yeah, I won't. I won't spoil anything for people that are um, still catching up on the X of Swords event. Uh, but 
the sword in that. Oh boy. Uh, they recently launched a sword book which features the mutant space program aboard the sword space station and it's very cool. And uh, so I'm uh, one, people should go read that and two, that's very intriguing that that's what those logos were on those characters. And it makes sense mm. too. I mean, if this is their vehicle to introduce sword as a concept uh, within the MCU, that would be really cool. My theory is that they're just going to replace S.H.I.E.L.D. with S.W.O.R.D. because obviously S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist in the MCU anymore since Winter Soldier. Right. Um, so that, like, my theory of them, de- like, my theory is that there won't be any space stuff. It'll just be that S.W.O.R.D. deals with things S.H.I.E.L.D. would have done with. And maybe it's just, like, they're, the the way they dovetail that is, like, well, now space is an issue for us in a way that it wasn't before the infinity war saga um so we need a we need to to counter threats both extraterrestrial and terrestrial yeah Um, i mean thor is the only alien in and in any earth mcu stuff until infinity war isn't he so i mean we have to it wouldn't be shocking to me if aim were to become sort of the primary protagonist for the next few phases of the mcu it seems like in comics and in the video game and stuff like i know that those don't really have bearing on the mcu but the aim has become a greater and greater threat so i could totally see some like i could totally see the beekeeper ending up actually being an aim reference even though they're wearing it was wearing a, a sword logo um and that there could be some kind of crossover there between them. Aim is in Iron Man 3. Yes, yes. I remember and, that, yeah. that... Aldrich Killian is the founder of Aim. So right. they, they have used Aim already. Yes, um, but I suspect that they're going to bring it back. Yeah, they absolutely could. Um, so after, yeah, so talking a little bit about episode one, but on episode two, um, yeah, the, it still makes me laugh that, like, Paul Bettany's at his comedy best in episode two, absolutely. Oh, it's so good. It's so funny. Um, yeah. And just like <laughs> the, the gum inside him being the joke for the says, whole episode. I, what was, is it John was the guy's name? He's like, John's a communist. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> that was very, very funny. Very, very funny. Um, I like when he calls his um, Herbert Sherbert. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, the um, the whole concept of the magic show is just really smart too, and mm. like it's very funny that Wanda is so concerned with people not knowing what they are when they wouldn't have they could have just done a magic show with their powers and said oh it's a trick and everyone would have been like whatever, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah I thought that was it was it was great, um, and. The, I like the thing I like so much about the relationship is they didn't turn that moment of like oh he ate gum and he's all gummed up now they didn't turn that into a like uh while Vision did something and screwed it all up for for them and and now Wanda's mad that wasn't how they handled it at all and I think that bodes well for the way that this the story goes yeah um. Mm. I think it that they work it works best if they're a team that doesn't like get mad at each other and stuff. Mm. Um and uh so yeah, I'm 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 
pleased with the way that they handled that because so often in those situations it turns out that like one of them so many sitcoms the way that the story goes is somebody in the relationship one of the two people in the relationship screws up and then the other one is really mean about it and i don't like that well that's what's that's what's sort of great about this is you already sort of get from the outset that like they're in like bigger danger than this so it doesn't Mm, like we mm -hmm. don't need that as a as a point of conflict because the conflict is already outside literally outside exactly at at this point so it's like it's it's just really smart because it lets them be like fun and playful and lovable toward each other which they're great at they're just really great at it and so i do hope the chemistry between the two of them like especially because yes difference and in the movies, I never felt like they had that much chemistry, which is part of which Absolutely. was always kind of a bummer to me. Um, it's I generally thought their relationship in the movies was sort of poorly portrayed, in the movies. Um, and it's not the fault of either actor. It just felt like it was kind of a like, well, we got to do this because the characters are here and Vision's gonna die, so Somebody we better be make this it. relationship happen quick. <laughs> um, um. The if you I watched the Marvel did like a before it went live on Disney Plus they did like a twenty minute live stream, and um, they had uh, Elizabeth Olsen and uh, Paul Bettany on, and uh, they asked Paul Bettany they were like oh what makes the relationship work between the two of you, and Bettany's like well, the uh, the they're both created by the Soul Stone so that's where her powers come from and that's where Vision's personality and powers come from like they're both based on uh, Loki's staff which was the Soul Stone so that's like they, their lives basically have been like spun off this singular point and he was like, like mm-hmm. that's why they keep coming together and why they have like they have more scenes with each other post Vision being created than like any other characters um and I think that that's, it's smart. I wish that they had not, I wish they'd had more time to flesh out these characters before. But um, it doesn't feel forced now. Does yeah. that make sense? Um, the, uh, the interesting thing is, before this came out, a lot of people were like, so this is Tom King's vision, right? <laughs> this is, like, vision. I never thought that that's how it was going to go. Yeah, um, and like Tom King himself has tweeted the trailers and been like, "Hey, don't my the Vision Omnibus now available in stores?" Um, as yeah, like, I mean they took my idea, sort of thing. But watching the show, like literally the only thing it has in common is Vision in suburbia. Like, in, yeah, in the Vision he doesn't have a secret identity. He's like out as Vision, and it's you know. it's also a show about um, or a book about. Um, suburbia and otherness and and um, and like the ways that someone who is an other gets ostracized in those sorts of communities um, like suburban white communities in particular and what King I mean I think King achieves that really well and it, that book is brilliant but this show isn't doing that I don't think I don't I mean yes there are the characters in that are around them, but they feel more like supporting cast to, this is a mystery show is what it is. That's what it comes down to. The, the, the Tom King's book is not a mystery book in my opinion. 
and um Catherine Hahn's character, who is my favourite character by far, um, she the neighbour, like she welcomes them in like she's Wanda's best friend instantly. Well, and it's clear beat that there's everyone it's around them must happen. know something they don't. Um or if they don't know something they don't there's just something going on with because i mean like the one woman the like head of the committee or whatever when the radio goes crazy she definitely seems like put off by it like like she doesn't understand it yeah um but then she quickly goes back to her programming so Hmm. i assume they're all robots or like something clones i don't know so speak, speaking on that front, do we have any predictions for where this is going to go? Chris, any uh, any thoughts? Well, so it's funny. You mentioned that um, that little like 20-minute live stream that they did. Um, in in like the the trailer that like starts that up in like the first like two minutes of that, there's a shot of a character who's from the movies, but I had no idea was going to be was going to be like in this thing and it's like a minor Jimmy character Woo? no well he, oh. he he might be in there as well but um uh cat dennings whatever her character's name was oh yeah is like in this and so like where the heck is she going to show up like mm. and does that mean um. like eric is here as well like does that so like what are they doing like um. Yeah, Pat. What do you think? Any predictions? What What you think might be happening? So I think that they are on a uh, sword space station, and that they're in this like weird. I don't even necessarily think that it's like a constructed set. I think it's probably more like they have Wanda in some kind of like hypnosis, like not hypnosis, but in some kind of like. Uh, like state and that vision somehow his consciousness is in her brain somehow and she's sharing her brain with him and they're trying to figure out how to like pull him out and make him again um which is i know a very specific prediction but i like to make specific predictions because on the off chance i'm right it'll be really cool (laughs) and if i'm wrong i'm not gonna feel stupid because i made a specific prediction (laughs) Uh, so my my theory is that Wanda has had like a psychotic break when Vision's dead, de- when Vision died, and like has landed herself in this town of Westview, and she because obviously in the comics she has the reality warping powers, and mm-hmm. what I think is she is processing her grief through the sitcoms that she remembers from her youth, and hmm. so she's. She's trapped all the people in this town inside this sitcom, and that's why they're all behaving weird, and, like, that's why Dottie is, like, freaky, and, like, that's what... And S.W.O.R.D. are observing it from the outside, and they think someone's done it to her, but she's done it to herself. That's my theory. That's a good theory, too. It's a good theory, too. Um, The little helicopter that she finds, you know, she finds the helicopter that also had the S.W.O.R.D. logo on it. Yeah. And she finds it... Also, that's the only like one of the only scenes in that whole episode with music, I noticed. Like oh, that, yeah. that scene point. has ominous music, and there's basically no music for the rest of the show apart from like '60s sitcom cues. Um, and she look when she has when she picks up the helicopter, 
she looks up and around and I'm like does she know she's being observed and when and the helicopter is something that tried to breach the town yeah also, that makes sense I do also know some other stuff that I don't want to spoil for you guys because I paid attention to the casting um, so I know a couple oh, of actors in the show out. what who they are mm. so yes I, I don't want to know that I'm always I'm watching The Mentalist right now and I want to look up actors in each episode during the episode all the time but then i'm like oh but i don't want to look up the casting too closely because maybe it'll say that like someone's the killer in the casting <laughs> that's no if, fun if you uh quick sidebar um if you look up specific episode castings on imdb you'll be fine because the credits yes, will that's never what I've been display doing. yeah the credits yep. won't display future spoilers yep cool cool well so um now that's Moving on from required reading to the next section, which is going to be pull list. So uh, every week in pull list, we're going to everyone is going to bring a comic that they specifically have read, um, and they're going to talk about it to the rest of the crew. Um, if yeah, if you guys have any questions or anything, just obviously butt in as and when. Um, so um, this week I've brought along uh, Future State Flash. So for anyone who's not familiar with Future State, it is DC's uh, January and February event. So they've basically replaced the whole line of DC books with Future State books. And it's out of the fallout from Dark Knight's Death Metal. Uh, the multiverse has kind of piled back in to the DC universe. And what you're getting in Future State is possible futures for the show for the show for the for the dcu so um future state flash um i wrote it because wally west was on the cover um i'm incredible like huge huge wally west fan i i have like like when i kind of switched to digital and comics and kind of went very minimalist in my comic collection the only trade like the only runs of trades i kept were gotham central and the jeff john's wally west flash so that tells you how much I love that book. Um, the, basically, the concept of Future State Flash is it's set um, pretty short, it's pretty near future. Some of them are like hundreds of years, some of them are like 20 years, but this Flash one is very much like a couple of years down the line. And uh, the Flash family, barring Wally, are all depowered. None of them have their Flash powers. And they've uh, stolen gadgets from the rogues, um, and they're using the gadgets from the rogues to try and like take down Wally, who has turned evil. Um, everybody like DC, <laughs> DC seems to be uh, really fucking with Wally. Oh, pardon my swearing there. Um, DC seems to be really, really giving it to Wally. Um, they've made him evil twice now, <laughs> once. Uh, in uh, Heroes in Crisis by Tom King um, and then once in this book um, so basically Wally is going around the world and killing people um, just seemingly at random uh, people that Flash family members care about so it's pretty uh, it's pretty rough um, as a big Wally fan uh, I don't like it <laughs> <laughs> And um, there's a, they have the first ever non-binary character in DC, I think, or like one of the first. Um, there's a, a new speedster, um, and they don't they use uh, she/her pronouns for the character, and 
uh, to like, I don't know why you would have, I don't know why you'd have a non-binary character if you weren't going to use a they/them pronoun. I mean, like, obviously, I people mean, it's, can choose. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a thing. But, like, you wouldn't know that this is a non-binary character if there was not any publicity about it. Um, uh, it turns out eventually, like through the story, that um, Wally is possessed by the horseman of the apocalypse famine and that's so wally in himself isn't evil but wally's body is speeding around the world and devouring the life essence of people in order to bring about the apocalypse or something so i don't know i wouldn't recommend anybody read this honestly um the artwork is good um the writing isn't terrible but um, I've just I read a couple of the Future State books, and this one's like easily the most forgettable. Um, I'm like halfway through Dark Detective by um, I think the name of the writer is Mariko Tayaki. Oh, I've butchered that massively. Um, I'll I'll I'm not gonna look it up because the keyboard sound. But um, she has written a lot of the young adults. DC graphic novels, um, which are all fantastic. Um, and uh, the artwork in Dark Detective is amazing. I sent you guys a panel earlier, like, well, it's, I sent you a page, and like, such a good looking book. Um, the, yeah, so, yeah, as I was saying, Future State Flash, not sure I would recommend. Future State, um, Dark Detective. I'm still like halfway through it. It's like a fifty-page comic. I thought it would be a lot shorter. <laughs> wow! No, and I would have time to read it before the show. Um, but it's it's really good so um, far. Cool. So in in terms of DC resets, because there have been quite a few in recent years. Um, I guess a how necessary does this feel, and b are you like excited that it will stick or like think it will stick i guess i should say um it feels really unnecessary i feel like dc needs to get back to telling smaller stories um or um doing kind of what marvel is doing where they do big stories but they are based out of runs so like the big crossover in uh marvel at the moment is king in black which is off of the back of like 40 issues of Venom uh, the previous big one was War of the Realms which was based off of like hundreds of F, uh, issues of, she of not S.H.I.E.L.D. sorry of Thor and like those stories that have had time to build in the main book that then spill out into the whole universe seem to be a much much better way of telling a crossover to me personally um, Dark Knight's Death Metal just didn't I don't know like I don't give a, I don't care about the Batman who laughs. I think it's a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> so, Dark Knight's Death Metal was never really going to sell me. But um, I'm I love futures. I love like alternate futures with like legacy characters taking over. So like um, in in Future State, there's a couple of books where John Kent is Superman, and there's a new um, uh, Hispanic. Um, Wonder Woman called Yara Floor and like that's interesting to me like uh, so 
oh, and she's um, that character, Yara Floor, is going to be a CW character. She's going to be the Wonder oh, nice. Woman on CW. Cool. That'll be rad. So, I'll, I'll watch yeah. that. Yeah, I, I will as well. <laughs> um, and yeah, there's like a Kara Zorel Superwoman book and like a few other bits that are genuinely interesting. But, um, oh, and yeah, and like they've got um, in one of the one of the timelines, Luke Fox takes over as Batman. Oh, um, that's so kind of sick. That, like, if you if you pitched me on like every single book, and then you said like that, I would probably pick up that one. Like, yeah, uh, like um, Dark Detective is like um, Bruce Wayne is destitute, and uh, the police in this like future Orwellian like um, uh, like. I can't think of that, like, a dystopia is, like, on the hunt for Batman, and he gets, like, shot and, like, so he's, like, kind of out on the street he has no money, he has no resources it's all about, like, Bruce in that situation, which I find really interesting um the, the problem I have with the way that DC does some of this stuff and even going all the way back to the New 52 because I was Ten, I was sort of into comic collecting, not really collecting, but reading when the New 52 launched way back when. And this past year, I read um, a good chunk of New 52 books just on a whim. Um, but it's, it's DC always is like, to me, uh, like, oh, this future stuff sounds interesting. I'll check it out in six months on DCU. I just don't feel like a lot of their ongoing books that are like part of the universe story are the kind of thing where I'm like, I need to read that now. Um, versus like X-Men where I want to be trying to keep current with it. I don't want to wait for it to hit Marvel unlimited because the stories are so interesting and there's so, there's so many cliffhangers and there's so many like month to month things happening. Uh, and so that makes it, it just, it, I wish that the DC books felt a little more like, kinetic i guess and and less like oh i can an urgent and less like oh this sounds cool i think that sounds like an interesting take on batman i'll read it on dcu in six months mm-hmm. i mean i guess i don't wish that it was more kinetic because then i would feel like i have to spend more money on books but <laughs> uh yeah i don't know it's interesting for me as somebody who hasn't ever like actually read a, D- a dc book like i've read a couple different Marvel books, but I've never actually bothered to read a DC book just because, like, a, a, a lot of their stuff in the past, uh, what, so New 52 was 2015? No, oh, no, so New 52 was, yeah, oh, if that, right? 2011? New 50, okay. New, I was in college when New 52 came out. Okay, yeah, yeah. so it, it, but it, so, like, but they've been reset i think like four different times since then right yeah there's and been like they did like a big one big line wide reset for new 52 and then they did like a well we're gonna reset some characters and not the ones that are popular so like batman just continued on as if yeah nothing, no reset yeah happened. exactly and, like, but then they reset superman in but a really interesting way what is so strong i mean the thing this goes to what you were saying about Marvel, and we should move on. But um, the thing, and it can well, we're going to move on to Marvel in a second. Yeah, um, 
the uh, the thing is that like DC books to me feel much stronger when it's like when you look at like oh the long Halloween is one of the most exceptional superhero comic stories maybe ever and you can get that in a beautiful big collected trade and that's your Batman reading for a few weeks you know like that seems like the thing that DC excels at is throwing paint at the wall and then the paint that sticks you can go back and read in a while um, which is you know I just hope that it keeps them <laughs> in business <laughs> I guess mm. I also hope that the distinguished competition keeps running uh, now speaking of the distinguished competition Chris you had a Marvel book to talk about uh, yeah, so I picked um, all new, all different Avengers number one. Um, that's something you'll be seeing from me probably a lot in these first couple uh, weeks is picking different number ones because I am a, like, I adore, like, comic book media, like, comic book video games and comic book television have always been in my life, but I've never really been a comic book reader just because it was never really a thing that I had access to until Marvel Unlimited became like an affordable thing. Um, So I've always been trying to find um, different ways to get into the reading. Um, And in a lot of ways, like, I think this is a good issue of a comic book, right? But it also highlights like some 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 of my frustration of picking up a thing that's called number one and not Mm. really getting the number one of a of a story of a character of an arc even right because it's a lot fallout in this book from memory yeah um see see you you pick up all all new all different avengers number one this is from, from 2015 for uh, podcast listeners, then the the link will be in the the show notes. We'll put it there. Um, but so this is um, main main universe um, Miles Morales at this point. Uh, Kamala Khan, uh, Sam Wilson as Captain America, uh, and Nova in this episode or in this uh, issue. Um, and you sort of have to do a little bit of, in, of inferring um, because there's a little bit of stuff with uh, Sam Wilson because uh, he and Captain America apparently got into a fight like before this, like where they're not talking now, but they don't really, like they don't say where I can go read that. They, they say where I can go read like the Nova stuff because there's Nova stuff that happens in this issue. But, um... Largely, it's about uh, Sam, like, and uh, Miles, like, fighting this uh, villain, and it's a, I think it's a pretty neat story. There's, you you get a lot of, like, Tony Stark being Tony Stark in, like, a, a really classic way of, like, him being just a smug asshole pretty much the entire time he's on screen. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like, it's... It's fine, but it's 
it wasn't something where I looked at it and was like, oh God, I have to read like seven more issues of this. Because, mm. because really what it made me do is like, all right, I, I'm going to, I'm going to stop this. I'm going to put this on the shelf for a little bit. I'm going to go find whatever that Sam Wilson thing was and go read that because that seems like the more important thing that I need to get before I get to this. The endless Marvel rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's smart with Marvel Unlimited that like for years now like before like marvel unlimited pre-dates spotify like the unlimited subscription of everything marvel is uh like a really smart thing that they've done and it's sh- shocking to me that dc are only just getting to that they don't signpost stuff enough for you at all and it's not a very good app like it's very hard to search for stuff and like yeah. they don't tag their own books very well like, there was one time where I was like, oh, I want to read more Moon Knight or something like that. And I just typed in Moon Knight and it didn't bring up, like, a load of books that I knew he was in. The, um, the, it's 2021. They're, they're, they're the biggest entertainment property in the world. One of the three biggest, easily, if not the biggest. Pokemon's the biggest. Yeah, well, uh... <laughs> uh <laughs> It's no accounting for global taste. Uh, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> you would think that the most that the subscription service to like the core business. I understand now that movies are really their core business, but like the business that built this company. If you had that panel, Chris, you should just be able to tap the panel yeah. or the dialogue bubble and it should just tag and just link you should be able to picture in picture the panels where that fight took place in a previous issue right like i understand mm. that that's a lot of work yeah. but it just feels like the marvel unlimited app is so limited when <laughs> ironically like there are yeah <laughs> no pun intended there are i don't i'm not advocating this so you shouldn't do this you should support your local comic book stores or at least buy a subscription to these services but there are ways to pirate comics where it's easier to <laughs> click around between issues and right. and link back to old stuff. Like, <laughs> like, like even just getting torrents of, of reading lists is easier than actually well, getting so the read. Like that's that's what I was going to say. Is um, I will shoot you this link, but there's a website called ComicBookReadingOrders.com, which is, in my opinion, um, the best thing to use when you're going back and reading an older. Um, relaunch or event like that they do DC and Marvel mm-hmm. and what they do is you can search you can go to basically any event um, they also have recommended starting points like they have a, if you want to start at the very beginning of Marvel you can read they'll, they'll give you the order of the first like decade of Marvel comics if you want to do Marvel now they'll give you a list of those. So I would say that that's a tool that you can at least use in conjunction with the Marvel Unlimited app to like know where to look. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I used to. Sam set me on the path very effectively, but I ended up using comic book reading orders to keep all of the Secret Wars lead up that I was reading that got me back into comics in order. Um, and then I more recently used it to read like Avengers versus X-Men because the Avengers versus X-Men reading list in the Marvel Unlimited app doesn't have everything in it. Um, they have all the books, 
but they don't have everything and they don't have it all in the correct order. <laughs> Whereas comicbookreadingorders.com does. So that's that's what I would use for uh, for for exploring old books for you and for anybody who might be looking to do that yeah. with uh, with one of those apps. Yeah. So I got I got a phone for the first time in forever for Christmas, and I was like so excited to to use the app finally because they have been like pushing the the app as like the way to actually read these things and it's like no i would i would still prefer to just read them in a web browser because yeah i can get i can get better zoom i can like yeah it's just like it's not and like i i understand that like yes it's totally acceptable for the for the price you're paying for all of these things you you get literally everything up until six months ago like it's totally fine but also like just do a little bit more at this point to like give me a better idea of like what i'm actually looking at here because it's just it's just a maze of of stuff like i i started with kamala khan because i was gonna read kamala khan and just ended up on this instead because I'm like, oh, well, I want to read Champions because I hear Champions is really good. And I bet this is how Champions starts. It um, is, yeah. Yeah. Champions spins off of all new, all different Avengers. Uh, yeah. yeah I, 12 issues in, I think. I think with comicbookreadingorders.com, you'll at least be able to, like, it's still a pain to switch between the different books, um, but but you'll at least be able to get an idea of, like, the trajectory of what you want to read. Yeah. Um, it helps a lot. Wait till you get to Champions and you realize that the young Cyclops is in it, and then you're like, "Young Cyclops," and that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> um, wait, like, wait, like young Scott. Yep. He huh. exists at the time that old Scott is dead. Huh. Let's so, be honest. X Men, ever since the X-Men MCU started, X Men was not in the most cohesive place it wasn't until hickman brought it all back that <laughs> now it is the best part of marvel uh when so after avengers versus x-men they split off the whole cast so they had um the wolver the gene gray school for of x-men which mm-hmm. was the old x-mansion her and wolverine was the headmaster and then they had um, Cyclops' team of Uncanny X-Men who were basically the Brotherhood and like Magneto, Magic and uh, Emma Frost were on the team. That was an awesome book, the, the the Cyclops book. I mean, like, I love Cyclops, like, unabashedly. Oh, I, I don't mean to suggest that there's any, that, that X-Men has been bad for the amount of it time that it's bad. been it kind of... Poorly it's just... After. Yes. Yeah, there was no... Co- I mean, Hickman is... There's no big I'm a, brain. A bit thinking. of a yeah. I'm a bit of a Hickman fanboy, but what Hickman has brought to the X Men is, um, given his creative role, even though like sometimes um, I'm trying to think X Force sometimes X Force issue to issue not very good, but Hickman's like it fits into the kind whole. of vision. Yes, exactly. So it feels like you're not wasting your time because there is still stuff happening that is relevant and interesting, even if the the panel to panel. Writing is like not bad, but not exceptional. Oh. Pat, I would recommend if you want to go back on uh, a limited to the Uncanny X Men book that came out before Hickman took over. Yes, yeah, um, I've heard it's interesting. It's oh, it's Buck Wild because they they basically said to the writer, 
they were like, do what you want, we're resetting it. Um, yeah. So he like killed off every character. He got Cyclops shot in the eye, so he was truly a Cyclops. <laughs> uh, it's a really good book. Yeah. Uh, and it is, anyway. it is absolutely Buck Wild. <laughs> Speaking of Buck Wild, Pat, we should talk about well, you brought Batman Catwoman, which is something I have also read and thought yeah, was we're, fantastic. Yeah, we're we're I don't wanna take up too much more time, but um I mean like in a sentence you should stop this podcast and go read Batman Catwoman number one. Um oh boy is it a good it is a good issue number one. Um the I ended up I was telling Sam earlier, I ended up getting it. I don't follow DC's solicitations, so my comic book guy just knows that I love Tom King. And so when he just pulled it for me because he knows that I like Tom King and um, I was like, yeah, sure. I'll pick it up. Uh, it's an issue one. I get, he pulled a variant cover for me and like, sure. Uh, it's a cool variant too. Um, and wow. Is that a good comic book? Awesome. Yes. And you know, I saw some, some buzz online that King wants this to kind of be his, you know, Dark Knight Returns, his sort of magnum opus, uh, at least as far as writing Batman is concerned. And it's off to a good start, that's for sure. Uh, there is a lot of intrigue and mystery in that first issue. There's a lot of time jumping. There's a lot of um, what character are they talking about when they talk about things. And then at times, and it's all mounts to this, like, final page reveal that, like, hits the... The editing of that book needs serious applause because obviously it's extraordinarily written, beautiful artwork, but also the panel placement and page turns are so good in that book. The way that it uses that final page turn where you realize before you turn the page what character Catwoman Selena's talking to, and then you turn the page and it confirms your assumption, and it's like, like really like dreadful in a good way but not in necessarily an upsetting way is so good uh and i just am very i can't wait i'm glad i waited until i actually read it right before we recorded and i'm glad i waited because now i don't have to wait as long to get issue two because <laughs> if i had had to wait since mid-december till now to get, i think next week it comes out um if i had to wait that long i would have been in pain because it's looks so good um i thought another quick thought i have tim. on it i thought the guy I, in oh, florida yeah. was tim by the way at first, I thought maybe, but then I started to realize, like, in the last few pages, who we're talking about there. Um, and uh, the other thing that I really am impressed by, and I think that this is a testament to both the the art and writing teams for this book, is um, a problem that I have with DC. Not that Marvel completely... Marvel has this problem a lot with Spider-Man, um, but it... In, in in what I have read of like specifically mid early to mid 2000s Spider-Man but the way that DC uses the women in Bruce Wayne's life is often like very much as like objects of titillation for the reader and there are times when that's not necessarily a problem um, when it's to convey a tone and a mood um, but frequently you don't actually get anything. And when I say this about Spider-Man, there's like 2000 Spider-Man books where they do this with MJ a lot um, that 
that I have seen, you have actually probably read the, more of those than I have, Sam. So maybe it's not so bad when you read them. But I know browsing covers, I'm just like, geez, what are what? <laughs> that is a cover that is designed to get a 15 year old boy to pick this book up. <laughs> uh, and um, welcome I to think the 2000s. Yes, I think it's very tiring with Batman because it's like you get this full page, you'll get like double page art sometimes of like Poison Ivy like laying very suggestively and drawn with like tons of exaggeration and stuff. And it's like, I'm not saying it, that it has zero place ever in any book, but it certainly isn't interesting to me. And something in this Batman Catwoman book that I think is really impressive is when they go for that kind of like sexualized art, it feels like it's much more to convey the position of their relationship and convey a moment of intimacy between the characters. Um, whether that's they're swinging and are like, and, and Batman and Catwoman kiss while they're swinging, or if it's like there's a scene in the book where she's like in her underwear too. Um, but it doesn't, I wasn't flipping through it ever going like, come on. Um, it was, it was always like, no, this makes sense. And it's, it's, there's a point here. Uh, so I thought that was impressive and great and something I'm not used to with a lot of Batman from the last 15 years <laughs> that I've read. I think um, Selina really owns her sexuality as a character. Um, the totally. Way Tom King has written her um, across yes. Batman and across Batcat. Um, yes. Probably, I can give you a couple of single issues for you to read to get the rest of to get some really good stuff on the relationship between the two of them. Um, so basically, like, I can't remember what the second one, what number it is, but uh, Batman 37 is fantastic, and, like, ha- you should track it down and read it. It's a double date between Lois and Clark, and... Um, it's possible I've read that, actually. Batman and Selina. Um, and it's fantastic because they go to a thing, and the guys are like, oh, it's superhero night, you can't come in unless you're a superhero. And... Uh, <laughs> Clark and Bruce are like, well, we'll get recognized if we just put on our costumes. <laughs> so they swap, and Bruce dresses as Superman, and uh, that's very funny. Maybe Clark I read dresses that. as Batman. It's it's very good, and Clark puts the glasses on top of the Batman cowl. Uh, <laughs> My- Selina dresses uh, Lois dresses as a Catwoman, and Selina just wears her dress in, and the and the the guys like, uh, I told you it was superhero night, and she just stares at him, and then he goes, okay, you can come in. <laughs> the the uh, my impression of this book is that it's sort of existing outside of whatever it is. Yeah, it's outside other stuff. Yeah, it's its own standalone it's, story. It's uh, the end of Tom King's run, basically. But uh, Tom King that that end is not canon. Yeah, it's my my reading of it was that you could start by reading this book. You don't need to necessarily track you, anything else down. You don't. You don't at all. It's certainly you know if you know like Chris, you or anybody reads it. It definitely, a lot has happened, but it's clear that the point is that they're going to talk about that over the course of the the book. It's There's a lot of time jumping around in this first issue that makes it clear that there's a ton of lore and backstory here, but it's not necessarily from a previous book. It's, we're going to talk about this as we go. All you really need to know is like who the basic players in Batman are to kind of understand where they're at. Um, so yeah, it was, it's really good. Can't wait for issue two. Uh, hope it... Uh, Stays good, and I have no reason to suspect it won't because Strange Adventures and Warshack are very good. So, Tom cool. King is still on top of his game. 
Yeah, definitely. I'd recommend um, Omega Men as well, if you like Tom King. It's basically... Yes. Um, yeah. It's about religious extremism in space. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty cool. Um, so I think that's it for today's episode. Um, if you read any of the comics we discussed, or you liked or disliked the show, and you want to let us know about it, you can email us at comics at fix.space, or you can tweet at us at fixpodcasts. Um, please rate and review us on our podcast service of choice, as that helps more people find the show. Thank you finally to Jeff Davis for our wonderful intro music, for editing the show, and thanks for everyone to listening. To listening, for listening. And we'll be back next week with more WandaVision. Vision.